Good afternoon, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the January 26th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. As always, our show is brought to you by Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. You can learn more about my firm and the services that we provide at JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. Today, my guest is Dr. Lee Merchant. She is the new director of the East Central Georgia Health District. And we are going to discuss the ever important topic of the coronavirus and how we are faring here in the Augusta area. You may recall that last year I did a show where I had her predecessor, who was Dr. Stephen Goggins, talk about where we were with the pandemic at that time. But of course, this is a topic that is forever changing. And today is an opportunity to get to know her as well as more about the services provided through the health department. But we're going to take a couple minutes before we get into that to talk about how important 2022 is on the elections horizon. As you know, one of the primary reasons that I started Local Matters was to help you get ready and get prepared for elections. And since this year is such a big year election-wise, we've got mayoral races, we've got uh, commission races here in Augusta, we've got school board races. In addition, we have a gubernatorial race that I've talked a little bit about a month or more ago, and we've got a U.S. Senate race, we've got state house races, we've got judicial races. This is just going to be a very critical year. All of them are critical, but this one uh, really stands to impact the quality of your life by what happens at the polls. So to say that, the first thing I want you to know is what the voter registration deadline is. If you are in a situation where you may have let your voter registration lapse or you've never registered to vote, um, that deadline, the primary election is May 24th. That's when you're going to see most of those races that I just discussed. And that deadline is April 25th. So basically a month before the election, you have to have submitted your registration to vote April 25th to vote in the May 24th primary and special election, if there is any, as well as the June 21st uh, primary runoff and special elections runoffs. So in order to vote in that primary, as well as if there are any runoffs, April 24th is that 25th, excuse me, is the day by which you have to be registered. In case you missed last week's show, I did an education topic and I had an author in. We had a great show. She's Patricia Jackson, who is from Albany, Georgia. And she talked about the challenge of educating kids who have experienced trauma in their households. So uh, if you missed that show, please go to my website, hit the Local Matters tab, and there you will find uh, that episode. Uh, it was very, very enlightening. So please listen to that if you get a chance. 
Again, thank you all so much for being a part of the Local Matters family. As you can tell, I sincerely enjoy doing this podcast for you. If you have ideas on topics that you want me to cover, please feel free to reach out to me via social media. A lot of people just send me a message uh, on the Messenger app on Facebook. Also, you can reach out to me via Twitter, LinkedIn, send messages that way. Also on my website, I have a contact us section. So you can use that as well to get a message to me. Thanks very much. You know, Local Matters family, I consider all of my guests to be special, and today is no exception. I have Dr. Lee Merchant. She is director of the East Central Georgia Health District. How are you doing today, Dr. Merchant? Hi, good morning. I'm doing really well. Thanks for such a warm welcome. Uh, Thanks for being here. And um, as you know, I have a tradition on Local Matters. Uh, I like to have our guests explain their backgrounds so that our audience can kind of connect with you as well. I have some younger listeners and it's always good for them to know how people get to where they are. So can you talk a little bit about your academic and professional background before you came into the East Central Georgia Health District? Sure. Yeah. I, um, you know, kind of, I guess, took the traditional route to medical school. I majored in microbiology as an undergraduate and um, attended a a medical school in Ohio, uh, which I enjoyed very, very much. And I did my residency in internal medicine and a chief medical residency year as well at the University of Cincinnati. Um, And the highlights of my residency were always those academic benchmarks of rounding with the team uh, and morning report where you talk about the interesting cases that have come in. Um, And I love grand rounds and I love morbidity and mortality. And so uh, I decided to stay with academics and stay specifically with residency programs. So I've really enjoyed a great career. I was an associate director for a little while and then I've been the program director for the medicine residency at MCG for a little over 10 years, which was an awful lot of fun. Education is dynamic. Um, and, you know, it's just encouraging to be with young doctors in training who keep you on your toes. And um, certainly the nuances and shifts in healthcare uh, and dynamics were interesting to, to be on. But after, you know, 10 years, I decided to take a little bit of a break. I stayed home with my young child, who's now three. Um, the pandemic had come out. Um, wasn't really sure what my role was going to be there. Honestly, I felt a little bad that I wasn't participating in inpatient care. Um, I loved inpatient medicine quite a bit, but you know, when you're a single parent and you have a toddler, it was, it was scary at the time. Remember at the beginning of the pandemic, we didn't have vaccines and we really couldn't um, consistently predict who was going to have a bad outcome. And so I was grateful to have a year home with him, um, but also felt like I had something I could offer. Uh, And I don't think there's been a better time that the role of public health uh, has been highlighted uh, for people. I don't, I think people maybe had a different idea of what public health did before now, but um, the footprint of public health in this pandemic, I think is something that I'm extremely proud to be a part of this team 
um, and extremely proud to be doing what we can uh, to help improve the lives and the health of the people in our community. Okay. And you've been in your role at the health department now for how long? I just started. Uh, I just started in October. So I'm in my fourth month, I think. And uh, literally the day I started, Omicron, you know, was, you know, coming around from South Africa. Uh, and this has been one of the most impressive, you know, fourth or fifth waves, depending on how you break it down, uh, of this entire pandemic. So it's it's a joy to be talking to you now because I'm sure we're going to get into this, but the numbers do seem to be declining and that's that's good. But uh, I started right at the tippy top of Omicron. All right, very good. Well, welcome to your baptism by fire. Um, <laughs> when I saw uh, the newspaper article indicating that you know you had come on board, um, and just for everybody's recollection, uh, last year sometime I had Dr. Stephen Goggins on. Um, Stephen, Dr. Goggins, I think moved to Athens, if I'm not mistaken. You and, got it. Um, Dr. Merchant came in here to the uh, East Central Georgia district. Uh, when I saw that, I said, hmm, that might be the craziest thing ever for somebody <laughs> to come into a public health agency, take over the helm of a public health agency in the middle of a pandemic. Tell me yeah. what. <laughs> Was it as crazy as I think? <laughs> You know, I, <laughs> you learn a lot uh, very quickly. Um, you, you, I'm grateful to have a team of people here who have been dedicated public health employees for a very long time. Um, and certainly where we are now with this pandemic is not where we were at the very beginning. So even though this Omicron outbreak has been um, sort of challenging in its own ways and different in our responses uh, as public health leaders, um, you know, there's no better time to learn than during an outbreak. So in some sort of paradoxical way, I would say it's better to just get thrown on into the middle of it and, and watch the testing and watch the delivery of vaccine and watch, you know, how we communicate with the public and how we interact with the newspapers and the reporters um, and, and the people we're here to serve happen in real time. There's no better education than that. So in, in a weird way, it was a tough time to come in, but you may as well just roll up your sleeves and do it. That's why we're all here. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, and as we talk about the pandemic, I know, just want everybody to know we are going to talk some because I know people want to know the status here locally. But uh, we're also going to talk later on about some of the other things that the health department does. Uh, pandemic yeah. sort of put them in the spotlight, but public health has been around forever. So, but if we talk a little bit about the pandemic here, I know um, I do some uh, consulting work up in DeKalb County, a city called Stonecrest, Georgia, which is at the easternmost edge of DeKalb. And we have been keeping up with the numbers because up there, it's just out of control. I mean, the, when I checked the numbers last week, it was 788 cases per 100,000 just over the last seven days, uh, which is astounding. Um, and the scary, scary part of that is that it was double that a little bit earlier. I think the week prior, it was about 1,600 cases. So uh, we've had to go into the mode of setting up uh testing centers. I mean, I think we set the world record for a testing center. We got one set up in about three days. So um, because we just didn't have any choice, there's so many people who need to be tested. Um, are we seeing 
huge numbers here in the Augusta area? I mean, how are you feeling about what you see right now? Yeah, similar to what you shared uh, in DeKalb, uh, you know, two weeks ago, we were running two mass test sites, one here at the campus here at North Leg and another one over at the AU Medical Center Complex off 15th Street. Um, and we were running, public health was running over a thousand tests a day at the peak. And we were looking at about a 38% positivity rate um, overall. Those numbers have come down. Um, so we are now doing, you know, we did about 300 tests yesterday at the old Sears building there on 15th Street, the AU site. Um, and our positivity rates are, are still high, but they're definitely declining. So um, let me just pull up my most recent data so I can give you the actual numbers. So overall in the state of Georgia, we've had about a 28% positivity rate from Omicron, which is pretty high. Um, and our seven-day average new cases in Richmond County, which is where we are right now, is about 330. I don't know that I could break that down to a per 100,000 incident the way you did for DeKalb, but it's among the highest. It is absolutely the highest number we've seen since the beginning of the pandemic. So uh, we know that Omicron is extremely infectious and spreads. Um, and so I, you know, we're starting to see a downturn in that, and I think that that's good. What we're seeing though is an uptick in hospitalization and utilization. So our ICUs and ERs are at 100%. That's doctors, university, and AU combined. Um, we've got wait times in the ERs and the med surge capacity for a floor bed, not an ICU bed, is you know well over 96%. So I think the public understands, you know, there's a lag in the hospitalization rate. So when you see those peak numbers from seven to 10 days ago from our testing sites. The numbers come to the hospital just a little bit later. Um, I, I don't think this was a surprise to anyone, even though Omicron is slightly less virulent um, because it's so infectious because of the rates that we were just talking about. It takes just a small percentage of people to get sick um, to suddenly have those hospitals get pretty full. And unlike other waves of this pandemic, because of the high infectivity of Omicron, we had our healthcare workers go down too. So um, instead of having a hundred nurses to take care of those patients, you know, hospitals were reckoning with 65 and 70, right? 30% of the workforce in general kind of got affected at the same time. So I, I'm an eternal optimist, you know, I, I, I think that we're going to come out of this, but our numbers recently have been have been pretty stark, but improving. Okay, all right. Um, that that is really good information um, that we're improving. But we know throughout the course of the past two years, mm -hmm. we've seen up, down, up, down. It's been sort of like a roller coaster when you look at the statistics. Um, and yeah. I know you don't have a crystal ball to predict what's going to happen. You know, every day you go on the news and I'm sure they're sensationalizing some of this. They say, oh, well, it's just going to be with us forever. It's going to become like the flu. Um, you know, from your point of view, can you put much stock into any of this right now? Or do you just really need more information? You know, I my sources are really the virologists that study viruses for a living. Um, and when you 
you know, when you look at the course of the pandemic, as you just said, Janice, I think we're all a little tired of the, the modeling and the predictions um, and sort of the other geopolitical lenses that have been put on the data. So I, I would only speak to what, you know, the two schools of camps of the virologists are saying and and one is saying this is likely going to become an, endem an endemic, an annual endemic like the flu, that over time um, it will become a less virulent disease as it mutates, that the typical story with these coronaviruses is, is what we're seeing with COVID. So it's high virulence and now we're, you know, it's, it's slightly less virulent with Omicron, which is, you know, what they would have said they would have predicted. The other though faction of virologists are this has been an unpredictable thing and we still have a pool of humans that are unvaccinated um, in the world. And if, if this pandemic hasn't made us aware of the community of the world, the globe that we all belong to, it's the globe, right? I mean, this was a virus that started in Wuhan and then mutated in South Africa and chipped over from you know various mutations from Great Britain. So uh, it is a global pandemic, and there is a reservoir still of humans who you know exist for that virus to sort of mutate in. And so you know there's some thought that it could shift again into something else. Um, I think we're just going to have to wait and see. I, I hope that you know we continue to message positively and clearly. Um, the role and need for vaccination and um, just try to keep this as, as data-driven um, as we possibly can. Okay. And speaking of vaccination, um, I know obviously you all are, are still doing that um, because I got my booster two, three weeks ago over great. at the Spring Road location. Yes, that's great. Um, I didn't have any trouble making an appointment at all. That's good. Um, I'm glad to um, hear it. We want yes. it to be easy. You can walk in too. Yeah. Oh, uh, you can't walk in. Please yeah. discuss that. Do you have to, so you don't have to have an appointment? You don't have to have an appointment. This is a, you know, a wide open. We're really running the vaccines from nine to noon. Um, but our South Augusta site near there near Windsor Spring Road is exactly where you can come to get a vaccine. Um, we did a lot of mobile outreach mass vaccination programs as well, um, but uh, wide open for vaccine and really want to make it as easy as possible for people to go ahead and get their vaccines. Don't forget, proud of what public health can do. You can go to Publix and Walgreens and CVS. Um, you can go to most any major pharmacy and get a COVID booster. So, uh, you know, keep it easy. Uh, people have got enough going on. If, if they're out at the grocery store and want to try to get a shot, please, they should just go ahead and do it. But we've tried to make that vaccine as easy as possible on the public health side. So sometimes you have a day and you have some time and you can get the vaccine. That's great. You want an appointment. We're happy to do the appointments too, but um, kept some walk-in availability because that's just how life is. Sometimes it's as spontaneous. I have time and I want to get it done. So great. I'm so glad you had a good experience and I'm really glad you got a booster. 
Yeah, I, I really, I can say I got all of my shots. I believe in public health. You know, I'm a local government person, so I believe in, in public health. So I actually believe in public health for all of mine. The first two um, I got down at the 4th Street location, which is probably before you were even with the health department. It is. Um, <laughs> Down on, uh, at that location um, when the testing was set up. And what I told my listeners is that at that time was that it was as efficient as the Chick-fil-A drive through in terms of coming through there and, and you know, getting your shot and getting out. So I, I got that done for my first two. And then I came in, like I said, to Windsor Spring Road to get my booster. So I really didn't have any problems with the health department and making that happen. And I appreciate you all's availability. Um, to do that. So that was great. Um, so any other advice you want to offer to our listeners in terms of the pandemic? And then we'll get into some of the other things that public health has going on right now. You know, obviously the message, uh, the message will always be to come on and get that vaccine. It's, it's safe. Um, it's effective. And the vaccine is what is saving people's lives through and through. So um you know, can you get Omicron if you're fully, if you're fully vaccinated? Yes, you can, but you will shed virus at a fraction of the level of the unvaccinated. Um, can you still get sick with Omicron if you've had the vaccine? Yes, you can, but your likelihood of being critically ill or needing to um, pursue professional medical care is fractional compared to the unvaccinated. So, you know, I, I think that differential between how the unvaccinated are faring versus how those who have gotten um, the shot series uh, tells a very stark, clear story um, that really motivates all of us to keep messaging. Come on and get that vaccine. It's not too late. Uh, we have wide open doors. It is okay to get your first shot today. That is, it is absolutely no problem at all. We're happy to do it. Um, and the, the, demonstrated safety of the vaccine is clear. Um, I think there's just been a lot of sort of not true information put out um, about the pandemic and the vaccine. And certainly uh, just wanna make people know that it's, it's absolutely safe and, and saves lives. It saves right. lives and it's part of being part of a community, right? So uh, we really would like to get that number a little bit higher. The state of Georgia has about 54% of its population fully vaccinated. Um, and I still remember, Janice, when the vaccine was rolling out. I mean, I remember when the news stories were like, here it comes, it's going to be super refrigerated on these buses and UPS was taking one coast and um, another carrier was taking the other coast. And it was one of the most exhilarating like science moments, like bam, like came out with the mRNA vaccine, got it mass produced, distributing it across the country. And um, you know, I, I think there are some people who still have hesitancy about it. Um, and just as much as we can want to let them know we're here and happy to give them the shot. And uh, you and I both had our full series. Um, I have a cousin in the ICU in Florida right now on ECMO, on a ventilator. She's on day 45. Um, and she chose not to be vaccinated. She has no pre-existing conditions. Um, and so we can't predict who's going to have a an okay course with COVID versus who's going to become critically, critically ill and possibly even die from COVID. Um, but we can predict that those who are vaccinated are going to survive. 
So want to go ahead and keep that door open. The only other thing I would add on, if I could, I, I think people have heard the vaccination story, but, you know, I think this pandemic has taken a toll on our social interaction skills and, and our mental health. And just, just to encourage people to know that they all matter and uh, that they should not feel alone. And uh, it's important that people remember to tap into those networks uh, if they start to feel a sense of despair. I'm, I'm sad to realize that we've had increased rates of self-harm uh, and overdoses through this pandemic that are just as much a part of our community's health as this little micro-terrorist. Um, and I just wish we could do more to reach out um, and, and help identify those people that are at risk because it's heartbreaking to realize they feel so isolated and alone. Yeah, that, that is a good, good point. And one of the other things I think about is just the possibility of getting the long COVID symptoms. I mean, some people seem like they even though they're not testing positive anymore, they're still feeling long-term effects of it. And I think that's as fearful for me as anything else is that you may have some remnants of this thing forever. Um, yes, you're right. Who wants that? I Yes, good point. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. Um, and so we got a little bit of time left and I know that you all are doing some other things at the East Central Georgia Health District. Can you just point out a few of the other things that you're involved in? Sure. I, I think when people think of public health, they probably think of a, a couple of things right off the bat, but I wanted to share some things that I learned about um, becoming a public health director. So I didn't know that public health did a lot of um, environmental health. So we have a mosquito control um, centered right here in Richmond County that uh, routinely samples our retention ponds and um, pools to, to make sure we're mitigating mosquito spread, which obviously are carriers of disease and contagion. Um, we do you know, water sample testing for quality. Um, they evaluate restaurants for health grades. So that number you see outside of a restaurant, that comes from public health actually. Um, and also included in that are, you know, some aggressive dogs and bites and things like that. So that was a new, new discovery for me. Um, I think the other benchmark of public health and one of the reasons that I value public health so much is actually our women, infants, and children program. Um, this is a nutritional supplement program. Um, I, I think people have an idea that it's for um, financially at risk young uh, families and infants, and that's actually not the case. Um, we have infants who qualify if they're born slightly premature, um, if they have some at risk things going on in their home. Um, this is a fantastic educational resource for helping people learn how to get good nutrition uh, for those infants and children. Um, obviously, we're encouraging breastfeeding for the new little babies very much and how helpful it is for those new moms to see other moms nursing their babies. Uh, we do some centering programs around that. Um, it's, you know, it takes a little bit of practice to get the hang of breastfeeding, but we certainly want to encourage that and, and help them see other young mothers doing that. It's an acquirable skill. Uh, WIC helps support that. And really learning uh, learning and relearning how to make sure we're giving our children the best nutritional starts for their lives. Uh, we know that that impact, 
impacts brain development and school performance and all of the other things stem from a good, healthy breakfast, lunch, and dinner uh, in those young people. So I'm really delighted with what WIC does across the board and the long-term impact of helping those children get quality nutrition, especially early on when their brains are developing so much, uh, is an incredible benchmark uh, and impact factor for uh, public health. We do a lot with breast cancer screening. Um, so for those women who are you know, uninsured or unable to get access to mammography, we provide that free of service. We do a lot of cervical cancer screening for those women as well. Um, and really, we have a very robust uh, project impact program for um, HIV patients here in the area. Um, it's, uh, it's all inclusive. So the medications are included as well as the educational information, the social support, um, the connection to a physician um, to help provide care. Uh, those are some of the most, I think, outstanding components of what public health does. But, you know, there are a lot of other programs that I'm, I'm not mentioning, but we're equally as proud of. Thank you so much for coming in today just to share with us all of the things that you all are doing and where you're at the forefront of ensuring that we have a healthy community. So thanks so much for being with us, for taking on this role at, uh, at East Central Georgia Health District. I think it's, it's a 13 county region. It's 15 counties, 15. I think. 15 counties. Okay. I better double check. Yeah, it's a lot. We cover a lot of ground. But Janice, I'm just so appreciative for this opportunity and, and what a warm welcome. And uh, I wish you a very, very happy and, and healthy day and, and rest of your week. And, and thank you again for this warm introduction. And All right, great. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.